This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Indian Economy Explained. In a developing country like India, MSMEs are the backbone of the economy. The MSME sector contributes to 45% of India's total industrial employment, 50% of India's total exports and 95% of all industrial units of the country. And more than 6000 types of products are manufactured in these industries. There are about 6.3 crore MSMEs in the country which contributes about 29% to India's gross domestic product. The number of registered MSMEs grew to 2.5 million units in 2020 from 2.1 million units in 2019. With the COVID-19 pandemic, the small businesses in our country have been hit the hardest. With the lockdowns and reverse migration of millions of workers, who are at the core of this sector was an added blow to an already struggling sector. A survey conducted by a community platform, Local Circles, showed that about 59% of the startups and the MSMEs in the country are expected to scale down, shut down or sell themselves this year, 2021, owing to the impact of the second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. The government of India has also drafted various policies for the growth of this sector. The budget allocation for MSMEs in the fiscal year 2022 has been increased to rupees 15,700 crore. from rupees 7572 crore in fiscal year 2021 to give a boost to the sector hi i'm kunika balhotra research and communications officer for sono india and your host for this episode of our series indian economy explained to know more about msmes and its role in indian economy i spoke to amit basole associate professor of economics at azim premji university in bangalore He is also the head of the Central Research Center at Center for Sustainable Employment in the university. So, how is a company qualified to become MSME in India and how big is their contribution in India's current GDP? So, uh, the definitions of MSMEs as far as the official things are concerned actually were recently revised. So, of course, first of all, I think most people would know that MSME means micro small medium enterprises. and as you will see very shortly when i say a little bit more about this sector uh, these are actually very different kinds of enterprises that we put into one category so according to me it's actually not a very good idea to club them together we can talk about that but just to answer your question on the definitions um so the the latest uh, you know definitions have recently been revised right now they uh, uh, to be qualified as a micro which is the smallest kind of firm uh you have to have investments that are less than 1 crore rupees uh or a turnover less than 5 crores so 1 crore 5 crore investment turnover is sort of the threshold below which you are called a micro enterprise and then that gets increased to um uh, 10 crores and 50 crores respectively so 10 crores investment and 50 crores turnover for the small category so you have to be less than that to be categorized as small uh if you are more than that then you come into the medium category uh, the upper limit is 20 crores of investment and 100 crores of turnover uh, so below that would be medium now if you go above that then you are outside the msme category altogether so you can look at the msme category in total as uh, investments less than 20 crore and turnover less than 100 crore within that there are all these micro small and so on uh, to come to the second part of your question see the estimated strength that we have the latest data is from 
Okay, that's where most of the quoted data come from. That's the NSSO survey that was carried out in 2015. Uh, so now it's a little out of date, but as of then, there were little over 63 million. So 6.3 crores uh, or 63 million uh, enterprises uh, in this sector. Most of which, like the vast majority, about 62 million of those, like 98% of those would be in the micro category. Okay, so the micro part of the MSME is the biggest uh, by far category. The small and medium are actually only about 2% of the total firms. Okay, of course, when it comes to contribution to economy, naturally the small and medium have a larger contribution, right? So if you look at the total value added estimates, uh, total value added by this sector, that would be something like, let's say, 11, 12 lakh crore um, rupees. This will again be 2015 data. Uh, the share of the micro enterprises in this would be less, but their share in employment would be high. So, you know, that it's like that. Uh, the micro account for most of the workers. Uh, so the, the sector in total employs something like 110 million people, I think, 110, 115 million people work in this sector. But out of that, almost 100 million or so would be in the micro segment. Uh, and only very few would be in the small and medium segments. Earlier, you mentioned that it is not a good idea to put different kinds of enterprises in one category. Could you tell our listeners a bit more about why you think so? The MSME, I think, is not a very good policy category because what happens is that it clubs together very different kinds of enterprises in one basket so that if you provide any kind of help to MSMEs as such, right? So, so for example, if you look at the ECLGS, the Emergency Credit Loan Guarantee Scheme under Atmanirbhar Bharat, which was the big help that came to MSMEs. Maybe later we'll come to that also. Uh, there also, if you see the limit is so high to qualify for that help that most of the bigger end of the spectrum is uh, are the players who who benefit from these schemes right from most of these schemes the smaller ones the micro ones are too small to make use of many of the government schemes either because they are informal so they are not registered they don't have bank accounts uh, they don't have a credit history in the banking system uh, and that's the vast majority of enterprises, again. Uh, so unless we make policies that are targeted towards the informal end and the micro end, right? unless we do that, our MSME policies as a whole will continue to be biased towards the larger players, players of that spectrum. And the same is true even with the revision. In fact, with the revision, we have gone further up. So even bigger things have now come under the MSME uh, umbrella, which is okay if you are going to keep a targeted help for the micro little guys, right? It's okay to help the middle guys and the small and medium enterprises also need help. So that's not a problem. But if you make them all into one category, then most of the help is going to go to the small and medium uh, and hardly anything is going to come to the micro. Yes, that is a very valid point you have explained to us. So now if we look at the present, because of the COVID-19 lockdowns, most of the MSMEs have been impacted badly and are on the brink of closing their businesses. To provide relief to the sector, the Indian government had announced Atma Nirbhar package and other financial measures, which had allotted 3 lakh crore collateral-free automatic loans for MSMEs. What do you think about these central government measures and how has it been taken up by the entrepreneurs? 
So here, you know, we can get into the package itself and its uptake. Uh, as you know, it was recently just extended by a month. Uh, it was due to expire, and now it has been extended till the end of November. Uh, before we get into the detail of the package, though, uh, I want to emphasize that this is basically a liquidity help, right? So the, what you are doing is you are enabling easier credit to um, the MSME sector. Uh, you know, allowing to pay people to borrow up to a certain limit of their outstanding loans, uh, free of collateral, uh, repayment of principal can be deferred for a bit, you know, all of these kinds of things. So you're helping people secure some liquidity at reasonable rates and making it easier for them to function or at least not go uh, out of business at the time when uh, there is you know, economic activity is completely stopped. This is a lockdown. April, May. Now economic activity is resumed, but still uh, we are not yet up to the uh, you know, full extent of recovery. So the idea is that if you are otherwise in good shape, right? Um, you have a working business model, you have a viable business. Uh, only problem is that suddenly your um, cash crunched, your uh, you know, cash flow is cut off. So you can borrow and tide over this time and survive. That is the logic here, uh, which can work for many firms. Okay, But again, the problem comes at the lower end of the spectrum among the micro enterprises, which we are, which we are now talking about firms that have, let's say, you know, annual earnings of uh, 10 lakhs, 20 lakhs, 50 lakhs, you know, well under one crore uh, annual earnings. Uh, and they may employ, let's say, five people, um, you know, maybe even two, three people, really, really small firms, which are very large number. For them, this kind of a scheme doesn't actually help much for two reasons. One, as I mentioned earlier, they are out of the formal credit net. So many of them don't even have that relationship with SBI or uh, HDFC or any other bank where they can say, look, we have this credit history with you. We have these outstanding loans. Can you give us some more loans for now? They don't have that history. So they are shut out of the formal uh, banking system. That's one reason. The other is that they are really severely cash crunched. They really survive basically hand to mouth uh, in the business. So that if you stop the earnings of the business for one month or two months, then immediately there is no way for them to uh, keep going at all. Right? So they cannot avail of this credit because they are out of funds. Yeah, sorry, they are out of the formal system. And they have no buffer savings at all. That is the other way that most firms survive, right? Even if you don't borrow, you have some buffer cash. You have some reserves to see yourself through. Most of these have no cash reserves. So if I cut off their um, income for, let's say, one month or two months, then immediately there's a crisis in the firm and it may have to shut down. Uh, that problem is not solved by the ECLGS type of policy intervention. You need a different kind of policy intervention for that. But also on ECLGS is that uh, what you see is that the uptake has been actually not very fast either. So, you know, it has been announced in May, but even, uh, you know, as of August, there were some 33% of the funds had been disbursed out of the 3 lakh crores. And now it is maybe 2 lakh crores out of 3 lakh crores has been disbursed. Okay. So it's still not the complete, the complete fund has still not been disbursed. Although it has been a very hard period for most MSMEs. Okay. Lot of small businesses have a lot of micro and small businesses have faced very hard times, but the offtake on the credit is not that high. You would have expected that the three lakh crores would be exhausted 
affected by now but that's not actually the case so it makes me think that either you know it is not going to those firms that truly need it so that there are firms that are able to borrow but they are not strictly in need of it so much that's one possibility uh it's not going there it's really needed secondly there's a small technical point also which is that the amount that you are allowed to borrow was 20% of your outstanding loans as on february 29th right so that's not a i mean maybe for some reason you didn't have too many loans on february 29th right so then you're you're not going to be able to borrow uh, so there's a kind of unnecessary restriction put there uh so there could be various reasons like this now as to what can be done this is a very difficult question and the main obstacle in our way to support enterprises in india micro enterprises in india is that the informality gets in the way because most of them are unregistered do not have relationship with foreign formal finance uh the government does not know about them uh it becomes difficult to target any policy to them right? so very similar to households right like if you wanted to help bpl households uh, or in general like poor households what would you do you know you have janthan so you can do some cash transfers to janthan uh, but many poor uh, households don't have a janthan account so how do you reach them with cash help it's very difficult right? same thing with businesses most of the micro enterprises which are like the mom and pop one person two person three person four person businesses uh, the government actually has very less hardly any mechanisms to ensure that help reaches them uh what we can do i think given that this crisis is so huge and it is really forcing us to rethink so many things is that we should now say what what do we have at our disposal what are the widest things we have so do we have street li- street vendor licenses do we have gst registration do we have any other kind of municipal uh, license that small businesses have to take or shops have to take um do we have any id cards that state governments have issued to various you know do we have health ca- cards all of these different welfare schemes have been issued now is the time to see is there any way to rationalize all of this and say i am going to gather information using a variety of these systems and try to reach these people who are falling outside the net it's not easy to do uh, and that's why we have not done it uh, but without that the help is not going to reach the businesses that truly need the help yeah right so even before the pandemic struck and the lockdowns also india's gdp was slowing down how do you think it has impacted msmes so the impact of the pandemic has been very severe and we don't have good data right you know as of now because uh you know it's very recent so we don't have that good high frequency data on enterprises in india uh, most of the data comes from the formal sector so we don't really know what is happening in the informal sector on a good real time basis but by most uh, reports that are coming out in the media as well as some surveys that have been done by various industry organizations it seems clear that the uh, micro enterprises uh, definitely have suffered a lot uh you know 50 60% of them have uh, have reported problems meeting payments have said that they might have to shut down you know the numbers are quite alarming uh, uh there's also simultaneously because uh, a lot of industries like transport and tourism and hospitality have completely been you know wiped out uh, many people from there have come into retail 
and so on. So suddenly there's a lot of people you'll find who are doing vegetable vending, setting up shops and so forth, which again means that incomes in that sector are going to go even further down because more competition is coming in there. Right? Uh, so a large number of businesses have shut down or they've had to sell their assets or borrow from informal sources because they can't get formal funding. So and informal sources means high rates of interest. So coming few years, they are going to have to be saddled, they're going to be saddled with this debt at a very high rate of interest. And that means that it is going to affect their future output also. Uh, so we are going to see fairly strong, I think supply side problems come out of this crisis, by which I mean that our output will suffer because businesses will have gone bankrupt or their productive capacity will be hampered in the months and years to come. So you talked about the challenges that the MSMEs face, right? So one of the major challenges that MSMEs, like the consumer demand has declined sharply during the lockdown. And on the other hand, they are facing one more challenge from the big online forums like Amazon, Flipkart. They're giving heavy discounts and home delivery options. So how does the future look like for MSMEs in this competitive market? And what do you suggest to balance that? Yeah, so that question actually raises also another important point that we should talk about, which is um, that the sectoral experiences are very different. Right? So which sector are you talking about when you talk, which MSEs are you talking about? So there are MSMEs in various manufacturing industries. Uh, there are MSMEs in retail, what you mentioned. Uh, there are even MSMEs in health and uh, transportation. You know, all of these sectors have a lot of MSMEs. So the strategy for promotion of this sector also has to have a sectoral lens to it. Uh, so the problem that you mentioned with Amazon, Flipkart, other kind of big players like this is particularly a problem of the retail sector. And retail is one of the largest sectors as far as MSMEs go. So uh, if MSMEs in the retail sector suffer as a result of this competition, then that has very large impacts on employment. So we definitely need to uh, have a good policy to ensure that that doesn't happen. Uh, now, I don't really have, you know, I have not really studied this in the retail, particularly sector in any detail to have good policy solutions here. Um, what we have tried to do in the past, which is try to protect some of this retail market, not allow foreign players to come fully, etc. Uh, that could be tried for a while in the transition period. But it's not a permanent solution. Uh, the problem here is that the lack of good job and employment opportunities in other parts of the economy make retail the default sector for uh, micro-entrepreneurs. What is actually happening is that these are all people who are not finding work elsewhere. And so they set up a shop somewhere, uh, do a cart, sell some clothes on the footpath, or all of these kinds of things that we see, right? Um, uh, vegetable vendors, uh, footwear vendors, clothes vendors, all of these. Uh, if the economy creates adequate number of job opportunities, then there will be fewer people kind of collecting in the retail sector as a surplus sector. So without that long-term perspective, there's no way that we can actually solve this problem. We are not going to have viable businesses in retail uh, at this scale, you know, like one person, two people, three people, not going to happen. So uh, that's the thing as far as retail is concerned. As far as manufacturing and agriculture are concerned, actually there may be some of these larger players may have potential benefits for the MSMEs. 
if you are able to secure a linkage right many of these digital platforms what they are doing is they are creating linkages between the market and the msms if you think of swiggy uh, or even airbnb many of these kinds of new models do that uh, so there there is actually an opportunity for the msmes to find new markets through the digital platforms uh, which is not the case for retail so there are these two kind of broad distinctions i would make uh one small point i will add uh, that the real policy focus on msmes has to be on particularly on the micro end not on the small and medium so much but more on the micro end how to scale up so that they are not they don't remain so small which makes them very difficult which makes it very difficult for them to compete because they have no economies of scale right they they have very little surplus they can't invest in machinery and technology um as i said most of them would have one or two workers and so on so how to increase that scale of business is a very important policy challenge that we need to address yeah also in september last year in september 2020 the new industrial relations code bill was introduced by the labor and employment minister so what was the need to bring this law and how do you think it is going to impact the workforce working for msmes yeah this is a real difficult question um, because there's a long history to the labor law reform in india uh, and it is closely connected to the msme sector because uh, not the micro but the small and medium here's where the distinction becomes important because most of the small and medium enterprises have more than 20 workers right uh while most of the micro have less than 20 perhaps even less than 10 so they don't fall under most of the labor laws most of the labor laws don't apply to the micro enterprises uh the labor law reform has to do with the small and medium enterprises how to make it easier for them to grow by reducing the burden of compliance on them okay so this whole debate over rationalization of the laws reducing the number of laws into four codes etc the logic there is that as a entrepreneur who let's say i have a medium enterprise medium uh, scale enterprise i employ maybe 70 80 people or something like that i want to expand my business but if when i cross over the threshold from 100 workers i have to burden i have to be burdened with a lot of a new labor law compliances uh, right and that disincentivizes me to grow that is the logic so if i remove some of those obstacles then the growth will happen uh now there are some problems with this view which many people have pointed out which is that uh the laws are not the only thing that prevents firms from growing okay? many other problems are also the infrastructure demand credit and so forth assuming all of that works maybe the labor laws become a problem because i have to comply with too many rules so can the government make my life easier by reducing the number of rules that i have to comply with so that is the context for these laws uh if things actually work as planned then it's possible that the simpler codes uh, and specifically the raising of the thresholds for hiring and firing and so on from 100 to 300 which is one of the uh, changes that have been brought may enable growth of firms now but we have to remember that most of these threshold changes actually have been tried before in various states so it's not like we don't know what happens right? rajasthan has tried it ups tried many other states have tried to increase the thresholds but that has not really enabled job creation that much uh, but as i said job creation depends on many factors not just this 
specifically the ir code that you referred to i want to draw one attention to this one point of the code which is the fixed term employment aspect uh so what they have done is they have made fixed term employment uh you know allowed allowable in firms provided that the fixed term employee who is hired for let's say one year or three years or whatever gets the same salaries and benefits as a permanent employee gets okay then you can hire fixed term and it's supposed to make it easier for you to hire because uh, after 3 years you can let them go or you can renew them up it's up to you you know it's not a permanent worker the problem is that they have done nothing to touch the contractual system which is right now how people do the thing right right now if i want to have fixed term employees i'll go through contractors but the contractor system is not touched so there is no incentive for the firm to actually hire a fixed term employee at the same salary and benefits as permanent because i can hire a fixed term employee through a contractor at a lower salary and with no benefits so unless i prevent that from happening this reform doesn't actually have much teeth to it in fact what it will do is it will convert permanent into fixed term so it'll have the opposite effect contract system will continue but the permanent workers now can be replaced by fixed term workers so it's reducing the amount of job security and increasing casualization uh, in the economy which will be good for firms but it's not really good for workers could you also tell me what kind of policy interventions are required by the central government at this juncture one government policy has to look at micro enterprises separately from msmes because their problems are very distinct they are mostly informal two the liquidity based solutions can work for firms that are already in the liquidity net they are already in the credit system they are good you know functioning well only problem they have is this pandemic induced shock if they are informal firms they are not in the formal net of finance liquidity based solutions will not work for them we have to try something different like a direct fiscal mechanism give them direct income support just like jandhan but think of it as jandhan for uh, enterprises and not for households right uh, in fact at this level there's no distinction between households and enterprises most of them are the same right you have your home business basically so that's the second big point and the third big point is going forward scaling up of very small firms is really key otherwise we'll keep finding ourselves in the same situation where any shock happens and these tiny firms instantly are in a crisis because they have no buffer and no power to last a crisis please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people so please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on facebook twitter or instagram